Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Cricket Ultras. This is Arun Sudhaman, and joining me from Singapore, he's not an ugly Australian. It's Darren Burns. <laughs> yes, I've tried to I've tried to wear that tag off uh, over the years, and I'm, I've done a pretty good job, I think. Yeah, I think you have. Also joining us from an, another location in Hong Kong, he brings three dimensions to the podcast and maybe three D glasses. Toby Doman. Good morning, both. How are you? Very well, Toby. And how are you? I'm very well. May Day. Power to the people. Yeah, indeed, indeed. And we have a lot of cricket to discuss because there's been a lot going on and it's been a while since we recorded a podcast. So we've got World Cup squads to get through later on in the show, some surprises, some disappointed players, no doubt. But before that, I guess we better start with the IPL, which is kind of going on and on and on. We've reached the point where... I find it gets a little bit monotonous, <laughs> this sort of middle section, the middle third drags a little. But where are we at, Darren, with the IPL? Well, I think it's really crunch time in the season, isn't it? So I, I agree with you. I, I think it does tend to drag on. I mean, I think the first round is very exciting when they play each other once. And as we all know, they play each other twice. So it's, everyone has 14 games. It does tend to drag on, doesn't it, towards the end? It's a bit like the Big Bash as well. Uh, everyone gets very excited when it starts in the first round, then it sort of seems to drag a bit. And we've seen quite a changing fortunes this year, haven't we? So in the first half of the season, we saw some teams that were near the top, like KKR, uh, who really seemed to have disintegrated a little bit towards the end. And we had a late surge from your team, Dobes, the Rajasthan Royals, under the able <laughs> captaincy, the able captaincy of Stephen Smith, who I will point out is the most winningest captain in the IPL ever. He has about a 67% win rate when he's captaining the uh, squad. So... It's been interesting in that in that way, um, and of course you've seen um, Sunrisers Hyderabad too with the David Warner and Johnny Bairstow show, which continue to run on until they're both out of the team now because they have to go to World Cup duties. But you know, overall, it's been great. Uh, my team, the Delhi Devils, well, the Delhi Capitals now with a new logo and new name, has really surged as I thought they might be a dark horse. And Chennai Super Kings, Arun, your your favourite. Uh, I cling on for dear life at the top of the table. Yeah, they really do. They, I mean, even when they play matches, it feels like they're, they're clinging on. You know, they, they either kind of edge victories or they lose really badly. It, they, they, they rarely kind of impress, but you do feel like they will be very involved once the knockout rounds begin because they've got the big match experience. Um, it's interesting. I think... There's a number of teams that are still in contention for the last two playoff spots. But one team that isn't in contention and was, in fact, knocked out last night, quite appropriately, I thought, their game was washed out. Much like the team itself, Royal Challengers Bangalore, so far they've uh, played 13 matches, won four and lost eight. I think they've dropped something like 25% of their chances yeah. in the field, which probably says it all. About Royal Challengers Bangalore, I think Virat Kohli, uh, he's lost something like, I think it's nine tosses out of 13. Um, and I, I think he likes to blame that for many of the, the team's problems. I was watching RCB actually the other night. It's very dispiriting. It really does, just doesn't feel like they have anything going on in that team. And it, yeah. It's a real shame. But anyway, that's enough about the bottom team. Um, with the last two playoff spots, I think currently the holders of the last two are Mumbai Indians and Sunrisers. Hyderabad, but Rajasthan Royals can get in, KKR can get in, and indeed Kings Eleven can get in. Rajasthan Royals have played a game more 
than the others. Um, KKR have been really up and down. Um, a little bit of dissension in the ranks there as well with 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 Dre Russ. Dre Russ has come out swinging both on the field and off the field. Yeah, I thought it was quite curious, right? He's in the form of his life. He's striking at two hundred. He he scored almost five hundred runs for the tournament, but they're batting him at number seven still, which I just find quite curious indeed. Yeah, well, he finds it quite curious as well, and he's well, made that, that very clear, sense, right? He's in the form of his life. He's hitting spinners and pace bowlers. Why would you bat him at number seven and give him like an over or two at the end? I mean, it doesn't make any sense to me at all. Yeah, but as Dinesh Karthik has said, everyone likes novelties. And he likes novelties too. Right. I mean, who doesn't like novelties? Toby, do you like novelties? I do. I think they can be wild cards and shake things up a little bit. I like a bit of novelty value sometimes, yeah. Yeah, I mean, we all like a novelty Christmas song. I mean, it was a weird comment for Dinesh Karthik to make because he was... He was talking about it in relation to Shubman Gill, who also has been batting really low. And whenever he does bat up the order, does really well. And Dinesh Karthik came out and said, um, he said, everyone likes novelties. India is obsessed with novelties, and even I like novelties. But I have to look at Knight Riders as a whole, and not just one bright kid on the block. <laughs> it was kind of interesting. He was sort of comparing Shubman Gill to like the Bob the Builder song that went to number one. Or the Andrew you know, Fields of Cup song. That's exactly, you know, the kind of novelty single, which is a little harsh on on young Shubman. Harsher even on, on Andre Russell, I think, though, not batting him up the order. Like you said, this is 20-over cricket. It's not a 50-over match. I think there's been a, some question marks about Dinesh Karthik's captaincy because of that. And, and he came out yesterday, I think, and said he's trying to make sure that there isn't, you know, any any bickering and backbiting in the team. It's doing a great job. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I just, I don't, I always get the impression Dinesh Karthik doesn't really care that much, uh, which is, I think, a good attitude to have, really, because it is only 20 over cricket. Um, but yeah, so, so it's interesting for, interesting for KKR. I've been quite impressed with Mumbai Indians. I think they've done better than people might have expected, given kind of the makeup of the team in terms of, you know, they, they did lose uh, one or two good players. So I would expect them to get through. I think Sunrisers Hyderabad will struggle without Bairstow and Warner. They've gone, correct? Yeah, they're gone. I, I think they have the Guppy coming back. Martin Guptal will, will open the innings. So they have him in reserve. Manish Pandey's been batting very well indeed. And then there's Kane Williamson as well. So, so, so it's not too bad, but you're right. It's a huge loss having those two guys out of the team. You know, yeah. two of the top five batsmen in the tournament so far. I mean, I would say if I was picking the last two, I'd say Mumbai Indians and one other. And I don't know who, I don't know if anyone else has any ideas on who they think will get that last playoff spot. Well, they, they were your pick, weren't they, in the predictions round, Mumbai Indians? So they were my pick, yeah. So I picked Mumbai and, and CSK. Um, and I, I mean, you know, it's really safe picks, if we're being honest. I think Mumbai's done better than I've expected. They had little, a little bit of a hiccup. They lost to KKR the other night, a Dre Russ special, um, overshadowing a Hardik Pandya special. Yeah. I think the only thing on Mumbai, they've got to play Sunrise Hyderabad and then KKR as well, right? So those are quite difficult games. You'd think they'd probably get past one of those teams. Are they playing KKR again? Yeah, and, and Sunrisers have got to play Mumbai and RCB. So, yeah, that, that could be a tough game against Mumbai Indians, you'd think. And then RCB is a bit of a lottery, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, is it anyone for Kings Eleven? They lost last night to Sunrisers. I mean, they still have a chance. Yeah, I'm not sure about it. I mean, I'm, I'm thinking at the moment, obviously, Delhi, CSK, 
I think Sunrisers might sort of drag their way through with Mumbai Indians, but you never know. Yeah, indeed. Highlights from the tournament. Darren, what has impressed you? I think what I've been impressed by is some of the young Indian fast bowlers that are coming through and even the spinners. So you saw Gopal last night pick up a hat-trick, even though it was you know a six-over six game. But I think he's been quite impressive as a leg spinner. He's risen up the ranks quite nicely. Some of the other fast bowlers, I think the young Indian fast bowlers have been quite impressive. They sort of stood up to the mark. But yeah, I think, I think really the highlight has been David Warner's redemption. I mean, that's really the big story. Um, we thought that he would do well. I did before the tournament. I think what he's been doing the last, you know, 12 to 18 months is putting his head down, working very hard. He hasn't been hitting as many boundaries as he used to, but he's been running a lot of twos. His running's been immaculate. He's been a good man manager on the field, um, working with the standing captains, with Bhuvanesh Kumar, and of course, working well with Kane Williamson. So he seems to have really turned the corner and let his bat do the talking, so to speak, and not really gone out in the media or made a bit of a hullabaloo there, which is quite interesting. And it puts them in good stead for the World Cup, I would have thought. Yeah, he has been impressive. I, I'll tell you who else I've really been impressed by is Shreyas Ayer at the Delhi Capitals. He hasn't scored a ton of runs, only 383. That's um, Good strike crate. But he, he, he's the captain, isn't he? Is he's the captain. Yeah, he's captained really well, I think. He's, he's just... And I think they've, they've kept the faith in him. I think it's his third season as captain, right? So he's learned a lot. He, he seems to get the best out of his players, and it's uh, quite impressive. They're, they're doing very well, Delhi. He gives good on-field interviews as well. I'm always impressed when players do that because I, I always feel that's quite hard to kind of give that into and, and you know be sort of mildly humorous whilst you're on the field. Yeah, absolutely. He seems to handle it pretty well. So yeah, he's he's been impressive. And then of course, what has really I think my highlights are, are, are more of the off-field stuff, um, or or even the off-field on-field stuff. So let's talk about MS Dhoni striding onto the field of play. <laughs> In that crazy match where, uh, what was it, a no ball was called and then wasn't called? Yes, correct. They overturned the decision. In in Madras. I mean, they should have known better. And the MS Dhoni wasn't having it, striding out onto the field of play to ask the umpires what was going on. Just on that, by the way, just a quick one. I was reading Simon Taufel talking about um, IPL decision making. And he said, you know, that the umpires in particular in these tournaments come under the spotlight rigorously, more so maybe than any other format because... It's high stakes, it's high money involved, there's full capacity stadiums. Um, and the likes of Dhoni striding on the on the wicket and the big fallout from the Joss Butler run out. Um, do you think it's going to start getting a bit more like football or soccer to our North American listeners, but football where you know refereeing, umpiring uh, it becomes questioned more visibly? I, I hope not, but I just I think the Dhoni thing sets an unwelcome precedent. Yeah, I think it does too. And I, I think the way he, you know, given that he's such a revered player and, and you know, a role model for a lot of a lot of players around the world and, and for young kids, I think storming out into the field is not a good look. Uh, I think he was only sanctioned for one game, right? I mean, it does feel like there's one rule for Dhoni. And what, he wasn't even, he, he sanctioned half half his match fee. I don't think he was suspended. Yeah, which is crazy, right? Storming onto the pitch as a captain and getting, you know, docked half your match fee seems a bit of a light punishment. Well, no one's willing to question Dhoni. And, and because I think it was in... Chennai as well. I mean, the umpires were talking to him on the field when he came on. They should have just ignored yeah, him. Yeah, absolutely. You know, he shouldn't have been there. Stephen Fleming was unwilling to, to say anything. Yeah. I mean, he probably owes his job to Dhoni. So it, it was prob- I think Stephen Fle- Fleming said it was probably wrong that he went on the field. Right? <laughs> <laughs> so hedging his bets there. Well, it was weird because there, there was more controversy and more, more people were up in arms about Ashwin's mankad than they were about Dhoni 
entering the field of play. And I think that was the point Simon Tilfel made as well, in that Ashman was well within his rights. Um, and he's become kind of a pariah now. It's, it's you know, even the, the, the Indian players are trolling him on field. I don't know if you've seen some of the stuff that's been going on. Kohli, one of his celebrations involved a, a man cad. Yeah, I saw that. <laughs> yeah, when he caught Ashwin, I think Shikhar Dhawan has been playing around, dancing on the crease. And he, but he's yeah, he's sort of public enemy number one. Meanwhile, Dhoni walks onto the field of play, and people just say, "Well, it's Dhoni, and he can do what he wants." I mean, that for me was was definitely a highlight, or maybe a low light. I think the dancing. Stephen Smith, Ajinkya Rahane, and uh, Ben Stokes, was it? That was uh, was eye-opening. Excruciating <laughs> to watch Stephen Smith getting down and boogieing. Um, old smudger. Um, <laughs> it wasn't a good look. But I think, I think another thing that stood out for me is just how great a spectacle the IPL is to watch with the crowd noise and, and the engagement. And just it, it's really the premium T20 tournament in the world. And that, that's really exciting for me. But, but the other thing is these sort of timeouts which just dragged the game on. So every match they have four strategic timeouts, which are two and a half minutes each, um, which just seems so redundant and ridiculous to me. It drags the game on even later. I think they start the games at a, usually at eight o'clock most evenings in, in India, right? And they don't finish until midnight or after. Um, in an era where we're trying to reduce, we're talking about, you know, the hundred and trying to reduce the amount of time the matches play. It just seems to be completely redundant and ridiculous. Yeah, I mean, there's been... I think a reasonable amount of talk about how long the matches have been going on. I think at least one team has been has been fined also for slow overruns. Yeah, I think Karthik seems to spend an age to set his field after every ball. It just slows the That's game down. because he's got Dre Russ in his <laughs> ear. He's avoiding Dre Russ. He's going for the novelty field That's right. That's, right. That's what it is. He likes a novelty. Yeah, it's, it, but it is weird. I mean, these these matches should be much shorter. They They, they drag on. Um, and of course, for us, it's, it's even harder because we're, uh, what is it, three and a half hours ahead and I just often fall asleep before the matches end. One thing I will say about the bowlers, Kagiso Rabada, I mean, he's just, he's unbelievable. I watched him the other night against RCB and uh, I just don't know how you play him when he's firing in those Yorkers at 150 kph. He, for me, has been the pick of the bowlers. And if he takes that form into the World Cup, it's going to really improve South Africa's chances. Although, and we'll talk about this later, perhaps South Africa uh, do have an injury concern about Dale Steyn, who came uh, into the IPL and, and bowled very well, I thought, before he got injured. Just on the bowling there. Yeah, he, he looked good, but then he got injured after, after one match, I think, right? Back on the bowling there, I, I, you know, I sort of alluded earlier to some of the younger Indian players and Shreyas Gopal is, you know, number two on the list of eight, with 18 wickets, the wrist spinner. There's, you know, Chahar from the Chennai Super Kings who's done well again. And I've been impressed by it with KK Ahmed and, and also Sandeep Sharma have done pretty well as well for the Hyderabad and Indians. Sorry, and the, yeah, both, both in the Sunrisers. They've been a bit of a, a quiet kind of below the radar duo there, the fast bowling duo who've done quite well. And in the beginning, I kind of questioned the, bowl, the fast bowling of Sunrisers, but these two have stood up to the plate big time. Yeah, it's, um, I mean, they're, they're kind of experienced. Certainly those two pace bowlers, Khalil Ahmed and Sandeep Sharma, are, are quite experienced now in IPL. I think Deepak Chahar is as well. I think Shreyas Gopal is quite young and, and is reasonably new, but it's just the value of experience, isn't it? These guys have played a lot of 20-over cricket. And it's also been great to see, you know, Imi, Ch- Imi Tahir, his celebrations, and he's been great, great economy rate. I think he's picked up uh, 17 wickets for the series so far, so he's done well as well. And Mohammed Shami continues to impress. 
Rashid Khan as well has come back. Yeah, Rashid Khan's bowled really well. And Imran Tahir has got the best celebrations. Let's not forget. Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, I don't think there's any major surprises, I'd probably say, amongst the bowlers, except for Shreyas Gopal, who's, who's I don't think anyone would have expected to be the, the number two number two ranked bowler. So, yeah, lots to play for. So CSK are playing, um, they have a big match, don't they, tonight, if I'm not mistaken. CSK? Uh, yes, they're playing Delhi Capitals, in fact. It's the top of the table clash tonight. I mean, there's nothing really at stake except for table position. Yeah. Exactly. Then I think then Delhi plays Rajasthan Royals, right? That's on Saturday. Before that, we've got Mumbai, Hyderabad, Kings Eleven, KKR. Kings Eleven, KKR is shaping up as a something of a knockout match. I think whoever loses that is basically going to be out. Um, Mumbai and Sunrisers as well is kind of a knockout match. Although I think Sunrisers will still have another chance because of the RCB game. Another thing we should mention is that the final's been moved. Uh, so it was going to take place in Chennai. I mean, someone, a, a very brave man, I guess, has, has decided to <laughs> take it away from Dhoni's home ground and move it to Hyderabad. Actually, it's because the, the stadium at Chennai has has had problems for a number of years. And in particular, I think it's at least two of the stands are kind of uninhabitable. They have not been repaired. And so the final's been moved to Hyderabad. But that does disadvantage disadvantage CSK. I mean, one of their big advantages has been their, their home pitch. The yellow army. Yeah, it, it, when you watch those games there, don't you? You see all those stands covered up. I was going to ask you about that. So obviously they're in disrepair and need to be fixed. Um, it's surprising they couldn't get them fixed, right? With all the money. It is given that CSK is owned by um, the kind of premier construction magnet. Yeah, it's a bit ironic, isn't it? You'd think. Um, <laughs> Maybe they can put some money in next season. I guess uh, guess he didn't win the tender. Mm. Ouch. <laughs> um, but, but you know, CSK, that pitch they play on, that, it's very slow, it's very low. It really helps them with their their three spinners. It really, you know, other teams come there and do kind of suffocate. So if CSK w- does make the final, I think the fact that they're playing in Hyderabad, which is a, which is not as slow or as low, is, is going to be a, a slight problem for them. But yeah, I think overall, though, I would say... I actually think, despite the fact it's become a little, it has dragged on a little bit, I do think this is the best IPL ever. You say that every year. I don't, though. I really, no, I, really don't. I think I think it has been great, too. I've, I've enjoyed watching it more. I've definitely watched it more this season than I have previous seasons. I think there's been a lot of international players available. I think it's a lead-up to the World Cup. It adds a bit of, bit of spice to it. It's been very competitive. I think there's been a lot of changes in the table. Um, and still, as we said, you know, all seven teams are still, it's still possible they can make the finals. So it's, it's kind of exciting, isn't it? Yeah. And just some of the things we've seen, we've had super overs, we've had the mancads, we've had hat tricks. There's been some real high points. Um, and, and a lot of them actually for one tournament. So hopeful that will continue into the knockout rounds. Long may continue. <laughs> Indeed. More of this kind of thing. All right. So. If that's the IPL done with, we have to move on to a lesser limited overs tournament, but also reasonably important, the World Cup, which is less than two months away now, I think. Less than two months, yes. Yeah, in fact, just, less than a month. just over a month. Yes. Yeah, well, less than a month even. Yes, does it start in May? Yeah, it does. I have a we- yeah, I have a weird feeling it does, right. Um, okay, so preliminary squads have been announced for the April 23rd deadline. 
Some of those will change. Some of them won't. I don't think India is likely to change. I think there's a couple of other teams that probably won't see many changes. But then you have teams like England and Pakistan who are playing, who you may see a change by the final deadline, which is May 23rd. And some surprises and lots of talking points, actually, from the various squads. So where shall we start? Toby, why don't we start with England? Because uh, there's a lot to talk about here. A lot to chew on. And you know, England's progress to this World Cup has been relatively serene since their dumping out in 2015 at the hands of Bangladesh. So you know, the, the ECB, and it's probably worth going back to the beginning of this before we talk about the squad in particular, about how important this World Cup is to the ECB. They've basically spent four years building to this. We've got the 100 coming on stream in, in 2020. Great opportunity to really engage uh, younger audiences with cricket. Uh, participation rates are lower. And so this is they bet the house on this World Cup going well. And the house looks like it might be developing a little bit of dry rot in the bathroom because, unfortunately, there's been a few selection issues. I think number one, before we go through the list, is probably the Alex Hales issue. Uh, and, and we sort of we spoke briefly before we, we started the show that that Mr. Hales has made some mediocre decisions in the past around his personal life, should we say. Um, he was involved in the Ben Stokes Bristol fracas in 2017. Uh, I think he has a suspended sentence for that. He's also got a four-match suspend, suspended ban still from that issue. Um, still. For, um, and then we've got two... Uh, personal drug issues as well. So the way the ECB have handled this has not gone down particularly well. Ashley Giles has come under some flack, but I think it's probably the suits at the ECB that probably deserve most of the uh, criticism. And I think Hales has been removed from all squads uh, across all formats for England this summer due to what Nottinghamshire described rather cryptically as personal reasons before we all found out via The Guardian what they really were. So that's sort of slightly upset the apple cart a bit. There's been a couple of injury uh, issues for players just outside of that t- uh, team. So Sam Billings and Ollie Pope suffering shoulder injuries last week. So the, kind of the next cabs on the rank potentially looking a, a little bit less certain. But the, the, the team itself... Um, reads pretty strong Morgan uh, Moen Ali obviously uh, Johnny Bairstone Josh Butler with the wicket keeping options uh, Tom Curran makes it along with Joe Denley who's um, uh, I th- has been in IPL Denley I think he has not played very much isn't he, isn't he carrying some sort of an injury as well though Joe Denley yeah he didn't play very much did he um, yeah I have a feeling he's got some sort of an injury I think Plunkett's also uh, coming back from injury uh, as is Mark Wood so it's sort of semi-question marks over a few of the players um, but I think the ECB will be hoping for no more sort of off the field nonsense but in looking looking beyond the team you've got James Vince who's scored a cracking 190 in the Royal London Cup match I think a week ago that's the highest domestic ODI score by an Englishman in over a decade uh, Liam Livingston and Joe Clark at Nottinghamshire so there's there's players there and thereabouts but I think ECB would be keen that they don't change too much about Yeah and of course the big question I guess is Joffre Archer Well yeah this is another ECB issue actually it's a good point um, ECB changed their qualification rules to, to seemingly fast track Archer into some form of international cricket this season he, he'll be playing in the uh, in the matches against Ireland and Pakistan I think uh, but uh, it seems that some of the players aren't too happy. David Willey, I think, in particular, and Chris Wokes, um, when pushed, I think, to be fair, when pushed, were claiming that they weren't too... Uh, they're a bit concerned about the way that it had been handled. So there's all these sort of slight, uh, what's the word, sort of environmental issues within the squads which could upset the balance, which has been carefully managed for four years. Yeah, it's interesting. I think 
It's weird, isn't it? Because they're quite happy to jettison Hales, and yet the Archer thing seems to be... I, I don't know, it feels like it's more controversial than it should be. I don't... I, don't, I mean, yes, they have uh, fast-tracked him, um, but he's still in line with the global qualification guidelines. I think yeah. England had, had different guidelines. And, um, and, if, and honestly, if England look at all the players in their team that are you know, either not born in England or came to England pretty late on, before getting into the team. Joffre Arch is hardly, it's, it's hardly an uncommon situation. And I think if he's got the talent and Ben Stokes says he's the, the most naturally gifted bowler he's ever seen. And you know, if, if the other players are seemingly not complaining, but sort of worried about what's going on, then they just should play, they should just play better. <laughs> Simple. Well, Chris Wokes said it would not be fair morally. I'm not entirely sure what he means. Kevin Peterson got into the England team in 2005. Um, I think there was similar kind of soul searching, uh, but I don't know. I think if Archer gets selected and plays well, a lot of this stuff will be forgotten. Yeah, we, we the Australians haven't forgotten that. That cost us the Ashes in two thousand and five. <laughs> <laughs> it did. Yeah, it did. But you know, this is um, it's a weird one. I mean, Joffre Archer has a British passport, has an English father. Yes, England did bring in new residency rules. There's a lot of a lot of to do about it. A lot of pontificating. There's been some suggestions that Archer's there's more question marks about Archer uh, than there would be perhaps someone from South Africa or Zimbabwe. I feel quite sorry for him, right? It's not very welcoming if you're about to enter England cricket for your career and everybody's like, well, I'm not too sure about this. I don't like the way you've done this. No wonder Peterson wasn't particularly popular because he probably felt pretty chippy from the get-go. So this sort of happening again with with Archer. And I mean, the reality is he. It's a bit like. You know, Mitchell Mask getting getting canned by the press and everybody else. I mean, he, he doesn't choose the team, right? So if he's chosen into the squad, that's not that's not his choice. It's the selector's choice to to, to choose him. I think the big the big issue with Joffre Archer is he's you know, do you bring him into a World Cup an inexperienced kind of bowler that doesn't have a track record really of any substance in in, in one in white ball cricket, uh, international cricket at all, and throw him into into the vultures or sort of in, into the deep end? Maybe you do. I think he'll be there or thereabouts uh, in the squad. Whenever he's, he's had a test, and he's always, he's always stood up, right? In the IPL and the BBL, he's done well. So, yeah, he, he's an exciting prospect, and he started to bloom with a bat as well um, in the IPL, you might have noticed. So he's definitely a great player to have there, but do you bring him into a World Cup? Question mark there. I think a lot will depend on this, this series against Pakistan, I guess. If he does well, then it will make the decision a lot easier. Is is Chris Jordan as well a, a potential selection? Uh, I don't or, think so. He's kind of uh, kept away really from from recent uh, squads, so I've not heard him being mentioned at all. But uh, looking at Archer versus some of the other players, he, if he's going to add an extra five to seven miles an hour on your pace attack, I would definitely swap him out for someone like David Willey, who obviously feels like he's threatened already. So you know you've got to go with pace. The English pitches at this time of year won't be the fastest. Uh, you need a bit of X factor, and he brings it. Well, they've got a slot now with Hales out, and, and it's obviously Archer's not a like for like. They may want to replace Hales with a with a batsman rather than a yeah, you know, an all round. And, and you think, yeah, and this this is sort of halves back to this ridiculous fifteen man man squad rule. But you'd expect a lot of the bowlers would get injured throughout the tournament, right? Uh, it's nine matches, so there's likely to be some injuries there um, for all squads. So maybe he gets in that way. But yeah, David. So do you know who agrees with you on this, Darren? 
Everyone? Well, yes, but in particular, Ravi Shastri. Oh, does he? Okay. Ravi and I are seeing eye to eye. Yeah, I mean, well, uh, he's come out and, and endorsed your view. <laughs> said there should be there should be 16. Yeah, he's an, he's an avid listener. He always gives us feedback, so it's good. Thanks, Ravi. Well, it depends if he's in our hemisphere. All right, so let's move on because we talked quite a lot about England. I mean, I think only one thing I, want, I wanted to say about Alex Hales is... Um, Ashley Giles is really enjoying these these hard decisions. I mean, first he banned football, um, then he he removed two players, I think, from a Lions squad because they were their names came up in the Alex Hepburn rape trial. That was Joe Clark, yeah, yeah, Joe Clark and, and another guy, and he removed them from the Lions squad um, because of their their role in that in in some of the less salubrious kind of awful evidence that came out in that trial. Uh, and now he's uh, he's acted really swiftly to Jettison Hales. So um, I must confess, I never saw uh, Ashley Giles as this kind Headmaster of man. Ash. <laughs> yes, <laughs> this is the hard man of English cricket. All right, so after England, should we just start? Should we go alphabetically or not? Should we, should we go in terms of rankings? That might be a better way to do it. In which case, I think, is that India that's ranked second? This is going well, yeah. Why not? <laughs> Why not? Okay, so India, actually quite a lot of controversy about the squad selection, as you might expect, because it's India, uh, but also because they did have a, a number of questions that were only going to be settled by the squad being selected, and of course, could only pick 15 players. So the, so the big issues were no place for Rishabh Pant or Ambati Raidu. Instead, we get we had selections for KL Rahul, Dinesh Karthik, Vijay Shankar, and Ravindra Jadeja. So those were the the four players who got in, and then they join the rest of the team, which is really settled: Kohli, Rohit Sharma, Shikhar MS Dhoni, Kedar Jadav, uh, the wrist spinners: Yuzvendra Chahal, Kuldeep Yadav, and then the pacers: uh, Bhuvneshwar Kumar, Jasprit Bumrah, Mohammad Shami, and Hardik Pandya, who's now fit. On the kind of controversial selections, I think, I think a lot of attention has has, has been focused on Rishabh Pant being dropped and Dinesh Karthik making the cut, and I think that that kind of comes down to that, that sort of age old dilemma around the newbie, the the sort of the promise of potential, the excitement around a youngster versus you know Dinesh Karthik, who's not the most I think exciting character. Um, but you know he's the incumbent. He's a lot older. In some ways, the conservative pick. Having had some time to think about this, I don't think it's that controversial a decision. I think Karthik's delivered a lot. Rishabh Pant still kind of relatively untested in fifty over cricket. I mean, he's got a lot of potential. But the selectors may have made it clear that uh, this spot was a really a backup for Dhoni. And if that's the case, then you kind of have to pick Karthik because Rishabh Pant's wicket keeping is still not really up to scratch. I think, you know, Dinesh Karthik is a good finisher as well, right? So if it's a like for like, you know, coming in that pressure situation, I don't know if you throw Pant into that. Pant's more of an X factor. Uh, sometimes he does well, sometimes he doesn't. Been more consistent, but I think it's fair enough. I think Richard Pant's only, still only 21, right? Correct? Um, yeah. So yeah, I think it's not that controversial. I think it looks a good squad though, doesn't it? I mean, if you look at the, it's well-rounded and I think it's going to be a variety of conditions, probably as Tobes mentioned on the slower side and maybe a bit flat, so they've got, you know, the two wrist spinners, obviously, who are doing well. Jasper Bumra, Bhuvaneshwar Kumar. Then Hardik Pandya back gives another dimension to the team as well, doesn't it? Uh, 
Saravi and Shami. So that's a good bowling lineup. I actually think the more controversial thing is dropping Raidu. Fashenko. Yeah, because, I mean, even that was somewhat expected. I mean, it's it's harsh. It's harsh on Ambati Raidu. He's been the incumbent. Um, he actually hasn't batted that badly. If you look at the numbers, he's still been averaging in the mid-40s. He, I think, suffered from having such a good year last year and then doing slightly worse this year. Meanwhile, KL Rahul has done very little. Well, he's to justify. Well, well his I think selection. he's done well in the IPL. I think he's the second highest run scorer. He has in the last two weeks since the since the selection. Well, there you go. That's what he needed. And um, he needed confirmation to build up his confidence. Maybe he also he's just he looks better, doesn't he? He just looks like a million bucks out there. Whereas Raidu's never looked like the most elegant batsman. As the selectors said, they picked Vijay Shankar because he brings three dimensions with his batting, his bowling, and his fielding, and that uh, that of course resulted in one of the more imaginative retorts we've seen uh, with Ambathi Raidu saying that he needs 3D glasses to watch cricket <laughs> now. Yeah. They've got a tough first assignment, by the way, against South Africa at Southampton. That's not an easy, you know, get a few runs under your belt game. So that's going to be quite a start for them. Mm. Really is. Yeah. Yeah, they're all, they're, they're, yeah, they're all pretty tough matches. Um, yeah, so I, I feel a little bit for Raidu. I, I think Rahul is very lucky to make it um and i think the only issue with the squad is they only have three frontline fast bowlers in bhuvneshwar kumar jasprit burma Mohammed shami they've got three spinners you look at the australian squad by comparison they have five uh frontline quicks um so that could be an issue although they are taking i think four other pace bowlers with them in case there are any injuries and they do have hardik pandya and they have vijay shankar as well so Anyway, that's India. Um, yeah, I think it's a reasonably well-balanced squad. I, I have some concerns about their um, their number four position. That's always the big question mark around this team. All right, so next up, in third place, does anyone know who the third-ranked ODI New Zealand, team is? of course. It is, of course. Yes. Darren, take okay. it away. So my favourite team... Um, and ranked number three in the world right now. So I was going to say they're an outside chance, but they're actually ranked number three. So they, they look a good, well-rounded, well-drilled squad, of course, led by Kane Williamson. Um, the mercurial Martin Guptill will open the batting. Um, Henry Nichols, of course, is, who's been having a great last year or two. Ross Taylor, the evergreen Ross Taylor, who's back into form again, uh, looking very good. Tom Latham as well in there, of course. Colin Munro, Munro the big hitter. Um, and a guy called Tom Blundell is coming to the squad, who I have no idea about. Um, I think he's the reserve keeper. Um, so he's the backup keeper there. And then, of course, you have the all-rounders in Colin de Grandholm, Mitchie Sandner, who, who really goes under the radar, but he's quite a canny bowler and, and not a bad batsman. I think in the IPL, he came up the other night and had one ball and hit a six to win the game and bowled very well with his unorthodox left arm kind of offspin. And they've brought Jimmy Neesham out of retirement. I think they needed to fill the numbers in New Zealand. They're a bit <laughs> short on players. So for them, they're happy to have 15 men because they probably couldn't fill a squad of 16 so all-rounder Jimmy Neesham is back. <laughs> I thought he'd retired some time ago, but obviously he's, he's okay and he's back. Then they have, you know, the great opening pair in Tim Southie and Trent Bolt with the ball. So if there's any swing or seam, those guys will do very well indeed. Um, and then, of course, the raw pace with Lockie Ferguson with his big moustache. Matt Henry also is quite sharp. And then Ish Sodi, of course, are in your favorite player. So I don't think we can say there's any controversial picks there. The only thing is that, I think Sodi did push out 
uh, Todd Astle, who's also a leg spinner out of the squad, which is a bit of a controversy there because Todd Astle did quite well in that India series. Um, he did. But yeah, so that's, you know, well-drilled team. They'll play well as a unit. Um, so I expect them to do pretty well. Yeah, perennial dark horses, finalists in the last World Cup, lest we forget. Um, I think there'll be a handful of English pitchers. Yeah, Trent Bolt. Trent Bolt's got a great record in England. I think he's the yeah. danger man for their attack, personally. Yeah, not 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 dissimilar to the vegetable patches back in New Zealand. Yeah. I think I think they'll do better if there's something a bit, you know, with a bit of assistance in the pitch. I wonder if the track's really flat and dead. If they can beat teams like India or England, I, I'm not sure. But you know, they always surprise on the upside, don't they? They do. Okay, Darren, you're up. You're, in fact, you're up for the next two teams. So next up, South Africa. South Africa in fourth place. Well, I think the squad's come out, hasn't it? The 15-man squad. Um, they haven't been doing that well recently. Uh, I think particularly Hashim Amla has been a bit out of sorts, but they've brought him back um, for this team. And I think Aidan Markram has continued to rise, the young guy. I think he's 23 or 24. So Faf Duplessis obviously is the captain. Markram and De Kock, who are both in reasonable touch. Hashim Amla's some question marks around him. Rassi de Vendusen. I've not seen him much. I did see him uh, in a highlights package. He looks like a like a great bat. The, of course, David Miller, the big hitting left-hander. Fulueko, the all-rounder, is in there as well. Uh, JP Dumini just seems to be evergreen and nev- never – I don't know how he keeps his place, um, but he seems to. Um, yeah. I think maybe it's his experience. Yeah, that's true. Pret- He's in tremendous shape. He really he? is. He's a good-looking man too, yeah. in tremendous shape. <laughs> So he doesn't seem to bowl that much anymore. He, so there's left there's left arm spinners of his, but you know, solid bat. Dwayne Pretorius, which is a very good South African name. He's also quite. I love short. your Afrikaans accent, Darren. This is superb. I like it. I like it. And of course, Dale Stain we talked about before, right? The ever young Dale Stain looks amazing as well. Very fit. Hopefully, he stays fit for the whole tournament. He'll be exciting. And we talked about Kagiso Rabada, um, and Longo in Nigiri. Those guys are very exciting, fast bowlers, quick. A lot of Yorkers in. Also nice change-ups. Um, Anrik Nochi as well, who was injured, I think, in the IPL and went home. Uh, but he's an exciting prospect, quite quick. And then, of course, we have Imran Tahir, the 40 years young uh, wrist spinner who, with the amazing celebrations. And Shamsi rounds out the squad. So you had a couple of spin options there, particularly Imran Tahir will play every game, you'd imagine, backed up by Dale Stain, Rabada, and probably Fulueko. So a good squad. I... You know, watch them the last couple of games they've played. I'm not sure about them. They could surprise, but they don't seem to be in the best of form, to be honest. All right. And now Australia, Darren. No Ashton Turner. I think the whole Ashton Turner thing is a real red herring. Um, I think he was never going to be in the squad. And poor, the poor, poor Ashton's got five ducks in a row in T20s. And I just felt sorry for him the other night when he went out to bat. Uh, I saw in the highlights, he, he got a single down to long on, I think it was, and he was celebrating and internally just like it was 100. The poor guy couldn't score a run. But Sean Marsh makes the cut. Yes, the mercur- mercurial Sean Marsh. Look, I think the interesting things about this squad is that they've done well against India. You know, they were down 2-0 in that series, came back at 1-3-2. at five t- uh, They whitewashed Pakistan, probably a, 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 a lesser Pakistan, probably a B grade and a half Pakistan. A lot of buzz around the team. I think the good signs there are Steve Smith and David Warner seem to be batting reasonably well at the moment. Those two are shooing. They've come back into the side. Um, Peter Hamscombe, who's done well in the last year or so, 
has been left on the sidelines, as has Josh Hazelwood, who's still ranked in the top 10 bowlers in ODI cricket in the world, even though he hasn't played for 18 months, which is quite curious. Um, look, I think Australia have been very, very smart here. They've sent an Australia A team over on tour, and I think there's going to be about 30 Australian players playing either county or uh, the Australia A series. So they have a lot of backups for the World Cup and for the Ashes. So what they've gone with uh, is a pretty good-looking squad. They've got Aaron Finch who'll open the batting, and he'll definitely open the batting with David Warner, I would have thought. Usman Kawaja probably in at number three. Then you've got Sean Marsh, who might or might not play. Maybe Stephen Smith will take his space. Glenn Maxwell for sure. And you've got the bowlers, of course. Um, Stark, Zampa, Jai Richardson probably. Pat Cummings definitely shoes in. And maybe Nathan Coulton Isle there on the bench. And Alex Carey keeping. And then, of course, you also have on the fast bowling ranks, Jason Berendorf. So pretty good squad. I mean, Marcus Stoinis there is a big question mark to me. He just hasn't really hit his form in the last year or so. Towards the back end of the BBL, he was quite he was wanting. I think he didn't do that well in Pakistan in that series. That's a bit of a worry for me is that all-rounder is not really firing. So I think they might do okay. I don't think they'll win it. You know, I'm not sure they're going to get the big scores, but having, you know, having Warner and Maxwell back as those big, you know, power-hitting players, it does give a different dimension to this team. So they might do okay. Yeah. I think I think they look really good. They're in really good form, Australia. I think it's all coming together. I think maybe the only question mark is is what role Steve Smith will play, assuming he's in the final eleven. Yeah, he'll definitely be batting at number four. I would have thought he will. Yeah, but he's such a good batsman; he'll figure it out. I, I I think Australia are looking looking like they're coming into form at just the right time. They know how to win World Cups, and they've won yeah, quite a few. We know that they have won a few. Um, okay, so Pakistan. Um, I suppose the big thing here was Mohammad Amir left out. Which is, you know, a little bit surprising. He will travel to England for the one day one day series, so he has a chance still to make it. But his form since the Champions Trophy, uh, and we should of course remember that Pakistan are the holders of the Champions Trophy, so they are coming into the the World Cup as kind of the only, you know, they have won the most recent fifty over tournament. His form since the Champions Trophy has been awful. He's taken five one day wickets at an average of ninety two point six, which is the worst numbers among all bowlers. Uh, to a bold 600 balls in that period. He may well get back in. We'll see. Asif Ali missed out, which was, I think, a little bit of a surprise, as did Usman Shinwari. But otherwise, um, it's pretty straightforward. You know, there's question marks, I think, as always, around the batting. They are reliant on uh, Baba Azam. Harris Sahel's coming back from injury. Um, They've got, uh, you know, Fakhar Azaman at the the top of the order. and, And of course, Imam al Haq. Safraz, the wicketkeeper and captain, who also hasn't been in the best of form. The two old guns, Shoaib Malik, Mohammad Hafiz. Um, they do rely a lot on them. The bowling ranks, Shadab Khan is missing the one-day series with an illness, although apparently he's going to be okay to make it into the World Cup. Uh, and the pace bowling is is likely to revolve around Hassan Ali, uh, Junaid Khan. Um, they've also got the talents of Shaheen Afridi to call on. Um, who looks like quite an exciting prospect. So yeah, you know, it's it's an interesting one. Pakistan team on paper doesn't it, it doesn't look like an amazing team, but um, as we saw in the Champions Trophy, they are definitely capable. Particularly if the bowlers get on top. You know, Pakistan I think always have the ability to win matches with their bowling, um, but a lot of question marks I think still around their their batting abilities. Bangladesh 
you know, there's really not a lot to say about the Bangladesh team. It's very settled. You've got the uh, the veterans um, in the team, Mashrafa, Mortaza, Shakib Al-Hassan, the all-rounder, Tamim Iqbal, Mahmudullah and Mushfikar Rahim, who seem to have played multiple World Cups by, by now. Uh, then you've got Fiz, Mustafa Sarrahman, very talented left-arm bowler, and, and Rubel Hossein is very experienced. They've named uh, a couple of newbies, uh, Abu Jayed, who's yet to debut, uh, but he's he's impressed during the tests. Uh, and they've brought back Mossadegh Hussein, who hasn't played for Bangladesh since 2018. The only notable omissions are Tuskin Ahmed and Imral Kays. So it's a settled team, very experienced will do reasonably well, I think. They did well in the Champions Trophy, also in England. But you always wonder whether they've got that kind of final 20% to win the big games. Let's skip Sri Lanka, because I really have nothing to say about them. And move straight on to West Indies. <laughs> Windies, yeah. Uh, so I think they're, they're ninth, is that correct, the rankings? They are. Um, which I think is a couple of positions undercooked. I I, I think they might... Maybe, well, I think it's probably being too positive. They might be dark horses. But I think they've got some bright spots within the team. Um, I think it's all about Mr. Andre, Dwayne, Russell for me in terms of the, the firepower. I know they haven't got Chris Gale. They can't replace that sort of firepower. But he comes close. He deadlifts. I found this. Six, 70 kilograms he can deadlift, apparently. Which is yeah, well, don't we all? Big stuff. That's what I'll be doing after recording this, that's for sure. <laughs> so did, before, um, before we recorded this. <laughs> yeah. Can't you tell? Uh, and uh, he scored like 500 runs were just under for uh, Calcutta Knight Riders in the IPL so for me the batting hangs off him Alzari Joseph has had a handy uh, debut for the Mumbai Indians as well 6 for 12 I think he bagged in uh, in his maiden first outing uh, Shannon Gabriel bowls a heavy ball as they say uh, but he doesn't have a great ODI record considering he's an experienced 30 year old but he has a good partnership with Kamal Roach uh, and they both bowled very well against England in that format uh, at the end of the series um, previously. And then Hetmeyer can go big if he wants. Um, and Shy Hope is a useful kind of stylish upper middle order batsman and keeper. So I think overall, question marks over the brittle nature of their batting. But if some of their key players come good, they could surprise some people. Yeah, indeed. And Darren, did you want to say anything about Afghanistan, who at the very least have an exciting bowling attack? They certainly do. I mean... They would be sort of, you know, the the underdog. And I think every, everybody doesn't really support any of the teams that are playing. They'd probably support Afghanistan just for, this, for the sheer excitement that they bring to the game. And just the sort of perseverance and the, the stuff those guys have gone through to get to the actual World Cup. Now, if you look at the squad, there are not that many familiar, familiar names to most people. But of course, they have Rashid Khan. He's an absolute champion. He's the vice captain. His his bowling is speaks for itself, but his batting is something that's improved a lot as well in the last couple of years. You know, Majib Uraman has been going around the T20 circuit for quite a while. He's been belted a bit in this IPL, I must say. I think he probably needs to work on a few more deliveries. I think he was quite of a mystery, sort of off-spinning, finger-spinning, leg-spinning, sort of mercurial young 17-year-old, but I think he's been found out a bit, so he probably needs to go back to the drawing board a bit and work on his deliveries I worry that if the wickets are flat and not really turning, he'll get belted around a bit. And of course, Muhammad Nabi has continued to rise. He He's a war horse, isn't he? he? With the bat and ball, he's really wily character. Um, he's right arm off spin and he's, he's hard-hitting batting. So he'll be a key for those guys if they're to get through. Of course, captain by Gorbadin Naib is the new captain for the, for the World Cup. Yeah, a lot of controversy about that. Absolutely. And the rest of the team, you know, they're a solid bunch. They've worked super hard to get to where they are. So let's hope they do well. And I, we, we would hope that there'd be a few upsets, maybe against England, yeah. potentially. So, 
both Nabi and, and Rashid Khan have, have come out and slammed the decision to replace Asghar Afghan with Gulabdin Naib, that's the Afghanistan captain for the World Cup. Slam them. Yeah, Rashid Khan said it was irresponsible and biased. And Mohammed Nabi said he didn't think it was the right time to change the captain. So, yeah, that's good, I guess. It's a good sign. Yeah, it's a good start to the, to the to team. campaign. Um, yeah, it's a good start. No, no concerns there at all. But yeah, it'd be lovely to see an upset. They, they're playing India in Hampshire at the Rose Bowl. And I'm going to try and get to that one, actually. And it would be lovely. If, I mean, you know, even as an Indian fan, I think it would be it would be amazing if they beat India. I mean, it's always good for the sport when there's a major upset, isn't there? Yeah, it's, it's fantastic. It's fantastic. And I think they're very reliant on the bowlers, I think, right? You know, the batting is going to be an issue for them. Yeah. I mean, I think there's been a lot of criticism, too, about this tournament, hasn't there? Being only 10, 10 teams in a World Cup. Uh, and, of course, only really, you know, a couple of test-playing nations missed out, right? In Ireland, at least, anyway. So, I mean, I think uh, hopefully they learn the lesson. And, and next World Cup, they really extend it to, to more teams and have smaller groups. Yeah, indeed. Okay, well, that brings us to the conclusion, I guess, of our World Cup preliminary preview. <laughs> I guess our, in our next episode, we will be knee-deep in IPL winners and maybe even runners-up and so forth. So thank you all, and thank you all for listening.